Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Hello, I'm Elliot Moss. Welcome to Jazz Shapers. It's where the shapers of business join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is John Bradford. He was the founding partner of Motive Partners, a financial technology investment company, and co-founder of many other businesses. And you'll hear just what that means from a John Bradford perspective. A highly experienced early-stage investor, John's a strong believer that entrepreneurship is a contact sport. He hasn't attacked me yet. As he says, but there's time, the more times you can get interesting people in a room having like-minded conversations about working together, then you create amazing opportunities that can benefit everybody who participates in that system. I'm sure we're going to be hearing the words ecosystem as well in this one-hour special. Described as the godfather of European accelerators due to the number of startup business accelerators he's founded and co-founded from Montreal to Moscow, John is also a co co-founder of F6S, even I've heard of them, one of the world's largest networks for entrepreneurs and co-founder of Tech.eu, an online media company focused on European tech. We'll be talking to John in a few minutes about all of this. We've also got brilliant music from amongst others, Jill Scott, Lonnie Liston-Smith and Nina Simone. That is today's Jazz Shapers. Here's Diana Krall and Georgie Fame with Yeah Yeah. What should we do? I mentioned movies, but you don't seem to dig that. And then he asked me, why don't I come to his flat and have some supper? And let the evening pass by by playing records beside a groovy high fly. I say, yeah, yeah. That's what I say. I say, yeah, yeah. That was Diana Krall and Georgie Fame. Great take on yeah, yeah. John Bradford is my business shaper, as I said earlier. He was the founding partner of Motive Partners. He's going to tell you what they do. And a bunch of other things as well in the tech space. You've been busy. Hello. It's nice to see you. Yes. Good to see you too. Now, tell me how you got into this world of setting things up, getting things going, and then going and doing other stuff. And why financial services, John? Um, and that world of technology. Ooh, so... Um, I'm of a certain age which remembers the 90s, so that kind of dates me. Um, I'm a reformed accountant, so spent most of the 90s trying to add up numbers and audits and all sorts of strange and wonderful things. And Arthur Anderson. Arthur, don't say anything. That really does date me because people that know know what that meant. Mm. And in 2000, uh, I was fortunate that one of my clients, uh, which was a dot-com, had just recently raised money and they asked me to join. What I hadn't quite figured out, my timing is really bad. So if anybody asks, should we buy or sell, do whatever the opposite I suggest is. Um, I joined the first week in January 2000. The startup, we went from zero to 65 people in about 13 weeks. Uh, over the following 12 months, we spent $25 million dollars. We had nothing to show for it. I think we had one customer, which we billed $150 for. And the dot-com crash happened somewhere in the middle of September of that great, year. Great timing. Amazing timing. So I, I literally was the guy who switched the lights out as we left the building. 
That's like burn rate times a thousand. <laughs> well done, John. So first failure done. Correct. Excellent. But that's a really important thing. And in, in the San Francisco environment, that's applauded. In the UK environment, you're looked at uh, as if you're some kind of monster. Yeah. Well, th- although I'm sure that's changing. But it, um, we're not as yes. comfortable with failure here as our friends across the pond are. Well, you'd know this better than me. Is that true or not true? Do you think it's actually all evening out now? I think there's, it's a generational thing. Mm. I think there's a whole bunch of things which have changed over the last 30 years around entrepreneurship, which is, if you go back 30 years ago, people did one startup, they made a lot of money, or they didn't, and they retired to the Cotswolds. And then they did their first angel check and lost it, and then went, oh, this is a really bad idea, I think I'll just put my money into property and stocks. I think entrepreneurship is a vocation. I think people recognize that actually one can do one thing and then follow on. Mm. And you you see this with some of your guests, which is they didn't do it once. The, the, the really cool part is when you repeat to do it again yeah. and again. So your first failure, 2000, then, 2000. What, then what happens? I then, one of the investors said I did a reasonably good job, even though it was a complete disaster. <laughs> uh, even though we spent $25 million, as, as one 65 people turned but I knew, stuff. I knew exactly how much money we had at any point in time when, when we were going to run out of cash. So I then uh, effectively moved to Oxford, uh, which is a bit unnerving given I now live in Cambridge. I keep that quiet. Uh, and did a startup there. Again, it was relatively successful. It had a small exit, ironically, selling to a Cambridge-based business. And then kind of functionally went through a whole series of bits and pieces, which meant that I went from being an employee to um, helping people raise some money to becoming an investor. And somewhere on that whole kind of scale, I started helping start businesses along the way. We're going to hold it right there and find out much more in a bit uh, with my business shaper, it's John Bradford. Time for music, though, before he reveals all, apart from the Oxford-Cambridge thing. It's Jill Scott with He Loves Me, Lizelle in E-flat. You love me, it's specially different That was mesmerising and relaxing. Jill Scott with He Loves Me Lies in E-flat. I'm with John Bradford, co-founder and all sorts of things, angel investor, and uh, as, he's, as he waves his arms at me, he can be anything he wants to be. But back, as we were talking about, you, the accountant gets into a startup, the startup closes, you go for the next thing, you have a little exit, you sell the Oxford-based business to business in Cambridge, and then you start to be involved in a bunch of things. So people then go, this man, John, he can help us. Yeah. Is that right? I had, what was unusual at that point was I was both experienced and I doing startups, but I'd also started writing checks as an investor. Okay. And about that time, there was a thing emerged called Y Combinator in the mm. US, which was the first accelerator on the planet, closely followed by the second accelerator called Techstars. And I had the amazing, this is the first time I really was being entrepreneurial. Uh, idea of why don't I do one of those in the UK? And what year was this? Because Y Combinator is super famous now. So it's two, Y Combinator was 2005, mm. Techstars was 2007, uh, which was about the same year Seed Camp started in the UK, mm. and I started my thing in 2009. And Y Combinator, the model was they took a bit of equity and gave you a bunch of help. A little bit of equity just to keep 
the lights on and yeah. effectively an intense 13-week boot camp program. Yeah. I, unlike um, Y Combinator doing it in California, did it in Middlesbrough, which at that point felt like I had done something really bad in a previous life. Do you know what? I went on holiday and I remember into Durham and we would go to for tourist attraction things in Middlesbrough. <laughs> there were places you can do canoeing. Who would have known in Middlesbrough? Oh, dear. No, really. So it was actually quite cool. Once you get your tourist, so anyone that's sitting in Middlesbrough, I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah. So oh, I, I'm a total fan. Why Middlesbrough as um, a kind of interest? So the reason why it was Middlesbrough was because I had been funded by Public Purse. Okay. And so in those instances, they don't say, where's the best place to go? They go, where's the... The place that needs the most support. We're going to support the region. We're going to grow infrastructure, so on and so forth. Correct. So, what's it called there? What was that business? What was that? That was that. To simplify language, it was called Springboard. Okay. Um, what was amazing about that was we had ten teams, one of which has gone on uh, directly or indirectly to the US and is now worth over a billion dollars. So this one here, there's that one, 2007. Yeah. Then, then you start getting involved in other things as well. You sort of explain the the thing. How deeply involved are you at the beginning of this these businesses, and how quickly do you remove yourself mostly from them? Yeah. So, so partly I was helping other people start these businesses, and the the accelerator programs tend to be incredibly intensive. So you literally are locked in a room with these people for 13 weeks, um, reprobates. You know everything about them, probably things that you shouldn't, and you really understand the businesses profoundly. So it's kind of really impactful at that early stage. And as a result of that, what I ended up then starting to think about was how can I solve some of my own problems? Or can I find people who share some of those passions around some of those common problems? And from that, I helped set up something called F Success, which was how do you help entrepreneurs uh, access, money, grants, other people in that process. It's kind of, to better describe it, it's Facebook meets entrepreneurs. Tech.eu was, I felt that startups in Europe were underreported. So you could go to TechCrunch, you could hear all about what's happening in New York. And Robin, um, who really is the brains behind it, basically had a similar passion to I. This is Robin? Uh, Walters. Okay. Had a similar passion and we wanted to basically make a new site which actually talked about European tech on a regular basis. And so that's kind of where that came from. What's interesting is what's common about the problems I want to fix tend to be platform ecosystem type problems. How do you just make the whole system work better for everybody and improve entrepreneurship as a kind of a broader theme? And that's been your driving passion. That's what I've been doing. That's kind of what, so, so pick those two up. I've ended up becoming an investor. I helped to set up a couple of co-work spaces, one in Cambridge, which is where I live, one in Belfast, which is where I'm originally from. You'll be setting up another one in Middlesbrough soon. Maybe you're going to be back. Maybe I am. I'm probably not in a rush to go to Middlesbrough again. You never know. Stay with me for much more from my guest. It's John Bradford. He'll be back in a couple of minutes. But first, we're going to hear a taster from the latest News Sessions podcast, which can be found on all of the major podcast platforms. Mishkondorea's Hayley Geffen explores the world of social media regulation and how to protect ourselves online. Have a listen to this. The News Sessions, hosted by Hayley Geffen, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Hello, I'm Hayley Geffen, and you're listening to the new sessions from Mishkondorea, where we take a look at a key area of law hitting the headlines. Today, we're looking at social media and how to protect ourselves online. Here to discuss is reputation lawyer Alexandra Whiston-Jew. 
Alex, a lot of us didn't actually grow up with social media. It's something that came of age when we came of age. So how do we talk to our children about this? I think it's really interesting, this question, and something you hear um, from parents all the time. And um, we at Mishcon do a lot of pro bono work with legal advice centres who have parents who are asking how to educate their children about these things, but also understanding the importance of going into schools and educating children about how social media platforms work, what information they gather who can see what and why it's important that you understand the repercussions of your actions not only in the playground but also online and that education piece is something that's part of the online harms white paper but also is a story that is really important to be heard at school I think that there has been a huge development in terms of the information that has been provided to children and how they know how to protect themselves online. But also there is a slight contradiction with them finding themselves, trying out new ways of being themselves and accessing information and new areas where they can learn about what it is to be part of a a global community, which is something that parents might be scared of, but still is an amazing thing about being online. The News Sessions, in partnership with Mishkan Dereya. Find more of the News Sessions podcasts dealing with key legal matters on iTunes. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkan Dereya. It's business, but it's personal. There are many ways to enjoy all of our former Jazz Shapers and indeed to hear this very programme again with John. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers and there you can hear lots of the recent programmes. If you put Jazz Shapers into iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, it's a mouthful, isn't it? You can enjoy the full archive. But back to today's guest, it's John Bradford, founding partner of Motive Partners, a financial technology investment company, and as you've heard, a founder or co-founder of lots of other businesses too. I often ask the question about team but in your case, it's plural. So yes, I can see you've sat there and it's intense in the incubator stage, but when you're the man that goes from zero to one mm-hmm. versus the man that takes the businesses from one to ten, correct? that zero to one from a standing start, you ain't going to get anywhere without the right people. How have you been able to thin slice good from bad over the years and have you got better at it? Is it a skill that you can hone or is it instinctive and you've got it and no one else has? Um... I've got better at it. I think one, it's very hard to necessarily pick a good entrepreneur, but it's easier, or entrepreneurs, teams, it's easier to remove teams which are unlikely to work. And then what you're left with is there's a fighting chance that what you have might work. And how do you know the ones that aren't going to work? What are the what are the characteristics they exhibit? Um, when they all turn up and they all sound the same, I mean, it's a much used word now in terms of diversity, but it's a meaningful thing within entrepreneurship, which is having diversity of background, diversity of skills, diversity of character. So being able to manage, someone has to be really enthusiastic, but somebody needs to be a little bit melancholy in terms of thinking about, but what's really going to happen? So it's always existed, but it's it's now shaped in a different way in terms of the way the conversation exists. I'm also very driven by entrepreneurs need to be persuasive. They need to be able to persuade customers, investors, other employees to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do, which is join a startup which has really limited or no chance of actually going anywhere, doing anything, and making them believe that actually there is this real potential that something will come from this 
magical experience, which is going to be a startup. And that magic, like the buzz for you, so you get you you weed out the wheat from the chaff. Mm -hmm. They're not going to work. No diversity. That is going to happen. They all sound the same as you said. Those yeah. aren't sounding the same. How do you ensure that you protect and get from 0.1 to 0.2 to 0.3 in those early times? Because that is, I imagine, brutal. Mm -hmm. like with so many people, it has become a la mode to say, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm in the financial, yeah. so all that stuff. What's the criteria or the characteristic that you would say is the one above everything else, if you had to only have one in your hand, that ensures that those people survive and make the cut and then flourish? Because um, there's tons of good ideas around, right? And technology is becoming a far more equal game. Mm -hmm. There's not so many price barriers and so on and so forth. So it must be even harder to succeed. I think, and you'll, you'll have definitely seen this amongst the people that you deal with, for first-time entrepreneurs, and I'll say they're different from serial entrepreneurs, first-time entrepreneurs have to have a God-given passion for fixing a thing to the point where it's almost obsessive. They just, they get up in the morning and they want to fix the problem. They go to bed at night and they want to fix the problem. And every hour in between is trying to fix that problem. Um, and I think that's why people suddenly recognize that actually it's okay to share ideas and talk about, like, these are the things I want to do. Because unless you have that embedded within your DNA, then it's really hard for you to work the hours to put in the effort that is necessary to take something from zero to one. Mm. I think it's slightly different for serial entrepreneurs because as one starts to do this multiple times, one realizes there's a bit of a formula underneath this, but you still need to be able to break down the, what's the thing I want to do? And can I minimize the risk of it being successful or unsuccessful? And that might, for example, we were talking about earlier, which is you're doing something in the restaurant trade. Mm. You will spend all of this God-given energy on the first restaurant. Can you get it right? Does it get tick the right boxes? Does the economics work? And only when you've actually got that right, then you go for scale. But a serial entrepreneur is much better at identifying an opportunity and actually systemizing the, op uh, the opportunity that sits around that. But the first-time entrepreneur, it's, uh, this put it another way, we're sitting here, we're talking about music. I always say the first album that somebody does is amazing. It's typically seven or eight years of teenage angst, yeah? And everything they've thrown into this album is just raw, it's passion, it's everything. And then they get to number two. And they realize that they've got to do it in 12 months or even less. And it's just like, oh my God, well, how, how are we going to do this? But the really good entrepreneurs, the really good musicians actually find a methodology to be creative and to kind of come back and repeat themselves album after album. Sorry, I'm showing my age. I'm going to say LP in a minute. But I, I think, and also because they're both in the creative industries, there's a lot of similarity between the two. Most people I meet have done one startup. Some have done two, mm -hmm. some have done three. You've obviously been involved with how many? Um, I think I've technically invested in over 100 businesses now. Okay. So 100 businesses... Allows... Uh, mo most of which, let's be clear, uh, have not been particularly successful. That's okay, because you only want to be successful, <laughs> right, John? And then you can retire to the Cotswolds. Yeah. You're not do that. No, I'm no, not you're, sure. not, you're not going to do that. Um, very good at retiring. 100 businesses means that you see patterns. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the beginning of a business, the middle of a business, and the end of a business, and people that are good at different bits and why it's really important to ascertain what your strength is. 
Yeah, so I think as the this is interesting because if we think about San Francisco as a very mature ecosystem and how other ecosystems like London and Berlin and Paris are emerging. We can play internet bingo, kind of startup <laughs> bingo. I did mention in the beginning we'd be hearing about ecosystems. So we're on four so oh, far. Oh you've done really well. Oh. So you've done three, I've done oh one. Oh dear. See if we can get to seven. Cool. Um, <laughs> so the way I think of the um, life cycle of a startup is I think about it as a startup, subsequently followed by a grow up, finished by a finish up. I think what's really interesting is London, because of uh, its background with the banks, the lawyers, the accountants, much as I hate to say that they're additive, as speaking as a reformed or... Uh, a an, delinquent. A delinquent, a very delinquent accountant. I wasn't a very good accountant. <laughs> is th- it actually creates a really, really strong foundation for finish-ups. There's good uh, environment for IPOs. It has all of the... F- uh, the professions that you need when you're trying to kind of get to an IPO or an exit. What emerged in the late 2000, 2010 was Tech City, which was this kind of really creative sector, uh, the startup bit, if that makes sense. And I think London was always predisposed to be able to do that. I think because of its advertising industry, because of its creative industries, it's a very natural step to me between that and tech and just creative. And what's interesting is that emerged and that emerged really strong in the Old Street area. I think one of the things which actually caught a lot of people out was this kind of concept of actually now we've done a startup, now we have to scale it, we need to grow it. It's actually, it's a really talent heavy business. So you can throw money at it, but unless you've got the right people, it's really hard to find and scale these businesses. And you can see this with serial entrepreneurs again, which is they have teams that they've worked with before. And as they come to the second, the third one, they'll be pulling in those people that they've worked with in the past to help that scaling process. London is much more mature. And as other systems in the uh, European ecosystem emerge, is they have to still go through those different sections as well. Some of them may have bits, some of them may not. I mean, the way I describe it sometimes is Berlin, the Germanic kind of sense of what they're good at, they're insanely good at scaling businesses. But I'm not going to be rude to some of our German listeners and say, actually, maybe they're just not as creative as the UK kind of system. And so what they've actually had to learn is go backwards. Mm -hmm. So they've been really good with something like Rocket Internet in scaling really big businesses, but actually they now to need to find their creative talent mm. to be able to start. And that's ironically maybe the reason why it starts in Berlin because it is genuinely probably one of the more creative cities within Germany itself. But the flip is true here, and we can be rude to our British listeners, that, that, that we're, we're great at the startup piece, but the, the grow-up bit is a bit tougher. And that's it, and there's less, I mean, we talk about unicorns, yeah, yeah. throw it around, there's way less unicorns yeah. here in Europe and in from yeah. the UK than there yeah. are obviously in yeah. the States. Whereas if you look at California, that whole system has been kind of much more refined and more, much more mature. I think the other thing I'd probably add is... It really, um, it's when the three bits line up, Mm. then you've got a fully functioning system and then suddenly everything starts to tick and you can see entrepreneurship genuinely becoming a vocation. Stay with me for my final chat with John, plus we'll be playing a track from Nina Simone. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. 
Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah, it's a new dawn. That was Nina Simone with Feeling Good. Just for a few more minutes, I'm with John Bradford. For you now, John, are you still obsessed with helping? Are you still obsessed with pointing out what to you is the bleeding obvious at the beginning and then making sure that the wrong persons are popped out the room and the right people are brought into the room? Is that still what motivates you? Oh, totally. I think I'm I'm sure there's a Doctor Who episode where some some machine or something feeds off other people. I kind of, what makes me tick is actually helping other entrepreneurs and feeding off their energy and actually trying to be a, a positive influence on them and their, the outcome of the startup. And the super skill that John Bradford has? Super skill, um, the one sleeping. <laughs> that is directly applicable. Oh, right. To okay. your, apart, apart from your life at home. Apart from my life at home, I'm yeah. so good at sleeping. It's, it's like <laughs> if, if it was an Olympic sport, How many I hours do you do a night? Um, if I'm not doing it... I start to get really grumpy. But I, you know that about yourself. Do you talk? I mean, joking aside, young entrepreneurs, do they sometimes think that working 20 hour days and sleeping for four is okay? And do you say, actually, you need more sleep, or does it not get like that? You, um, you're not quite that personal with I, the... I, This is a conversation for a longer point, but I've fundamentally changed all my habits over the last three years. And because I, um, because I'm almost 50. Um, and so. Uh, kind of that level of humanity suddenly kicks in and you suddenly go, oh my God, I'm going to have to figure out how I last a little bit longer than my uh, the abuse I've given my body for the first 50 years of my life. But and, do, you, do you find yourself coaching younger people saying, you know what, I know you're young, but you do need to be a bit more balanced. I know you want, I yes. love you working hard and playing hard, but actually there's a time here you just moderate both. Correct. I think I, I've gone from... Um, being working all of the time to working a lot of the time, but actually having time to myself to exercise. So I'm, mm. I'm like Forrest Gump meets um, a VC. <laughs> so I spend most with of three, my life with three children. With three children yeah. who see me sometimes. Um, they want to see you more. They told me. Oh, I know. I'm such a meanie. They never no, said that's, that. That's, that's a total lie. Not right. They probably WhatsApped you. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. But but let's go back to your super skill briefly before we go to your 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 song choice. What is uh, the, what is that super skill? Empathy. I think is probably having a, 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 an ability to listen and to reflect on people and uh, make them feel good about themselves. Can you imagine having done anything different to the way you've done it? Um, do, you ever, I, do you ever hanker for the days of working as an accountant in a big global firm? Well, I would argue that the first mm, 40 years of my life, I was a waste or it built up to what I've done. I've done more interesting things in the last 10 years of my life than I did in the first 40. But that so. happens, doesn't it? Because you've earned it, right? I mean, it's tough. You have to find out. Yeah. And, and part of that's the reason why I do what I do, which is you shouldn't have to wait until you're 40 years old to figure out what you want to do and why you want to be good at it. And so if I can shorten people's timeline and actually make them believe that they can do these things, that's a positive outcome to me. That's a brilliant outcome. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Um, it's Van Morrison, and actually, I'll, I'll cheat. It's I would have the whole LP if I could have it, which is uh, Astral Weeks. And, and what's the why, sir? Uh, the why is I'm originally from Northern Ireland, and I grew up 
for most of the 70s and 80s in what is probably not the most sound environment to have lived in. And to have this kind of strange inspirational character, which is this guy called Van Morrison, who was just head head above everybody else. And in a world where there was nothing to inspire you in Northern Ireland, you have this character who was punching above his weight and in strange and wonderful places around the world, hanging out with Bob Dylan and all these sorts of people. It was just surreal, surrounded by all of the troubles that exist in Northern Ireland. And so it, it kind of was almost the light at the end of the tunnel, is probably the way I'd think about it. We strolled through fields all wet with rain And back along the lane again There in the sunshine was the way young lovers do from Van Morrison, the song choice of my business shaper today, John Bradford. Successful entrepreneurs have to have a passion, an obsessive passion for fixing things. So if you've got one of those, you're in the right place. You have to have diversity at the heart of the teams that are brought together to build these businesses. So if you haven't got diversity in that team, make sure you crack it. You have to be persuasive, said John. And you have to understand the difference between starting up, growing up and finishing up. Really, really good stuff. You can hear our conversation with John all over again whenever you want to. As a podcast, just search Jazz Shapers or ask your smart speaker to play Jazz Shapers. Or if you're up bright and early Monday morning, you can catch this programme again just before the business breakfast at 5am. We're back next Saturday morning from 9 with our next business shapers, the co-founders of luxury pyjama brand Desmond and Dempsey. Molly Goddard and Joel Jeffrey are my guests. Up next after news at 10, it's Nigel Williams with more music plus interviews and live sessions too. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a great weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers.